That's how you get meow meow on ya. Hail Payman. That's okay. Hail Payman. It's hereditary. Welcome to the Center Cut. I am Michael. And I'm Dave. And for the first time in Center Cut history, we have a returning guest, Mr. Chris Fafalius. Chris, thanks for being here. Wow, I'm the first one. That's a true honor. Yeah. Now, if you haven't checked out our Midsummer episode yet, you're silly. Go do that. But if you have, you know that Chris does so many awesome things. But the four that I want to highlight right now are bass player for the band Punchline, host of One Hit Thunder podcast, producer of Krista Makes a Podcast, and just a genuinely good dude. Just a genuinely wow. good dude. I yeah. like that fourth one. I think that's the one I'm, <laughs> I think that's the one I'm most proud of. If you, if I made that impression on you, then I, I thank you very much. Yeah, that's honestly the only reason we had you back. So if you were all those other things, but also a dick, then we would have been like, no. Nah, nah. gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> now, one thing, Chris, that's launched since last time, though, is a new podcast, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I was like, what's he talking about? Yeah, <laughs> I, I podcast about my band, a documentary podcast called a band called Punchline which is some of my, as a editor and producer, uh, some of my most intense work. There's a lot of work that goes into it, a lot of gathering audio and putting things together and trying to create a story. And it ain't easy. I have a lot of help from my friend and punchline manager, Jim, on putting that together. But yeah, it's a pretty intense podcast. Well, it shows because it, it is awesome. You don't have to be a pre-fan of the band Punchline, you will be a fan by the end of the podcast. I'll say that. I hope so. <laughs> that, that's that's my hope is that you don't have to have known our band beforehand. Obviously, if you know and or like our band, you're going to like it a little bit more probably. But people who weren't that familiar with my band Punchline have listened to the podcast. It's called a band called Punchline, by the way, and have told me like, it didn't even matter that I didn't really know Punchline because it's all divided by, for us, it's album eras, but it starts in like 1997 through 1999. So a lot of the things we're talking about, people are like, oh, I did that. I remember doing that. My band played those type of shows. And then we did, the next one was the years 2000 through 2001. And the one that's about to come out very soon, probably by the time this episode is out, it will be out, is about like the years 2002 and 2003 when things were really picking up for our band. We were touring a lot. We signed to our record record label there was a lot of excitement going on so the first couple episodes were kind of setting up like i don't know bigger things that were about to happen so you know i like to say it's like forrest gump meets almost famous that's that's our, <laughs> our story <laughs> pretty good tagline and i i'm excited for the next episode now we'll talk more at the end chris but the people didn't come to hear me fawn they want to hear about hereditary Dave, <laughs> what precisely did we do? So we watched the first 15 minutes and the last 15 minutes of Hereditary. After we recap our ends, uh, Chris is going to have some questions for us to see how well we can figure out what happened <laughs> there in, in that there middle. That is true. Now, Hereditary was released in 2018 and just like Midsummer, was written and directed by Ari Aster. This one did better at the box office and is now officially our third A24 film with Midsummer and Uncut Gems from season one. Mm. Stars Tony Collette, among others. She's, she's definitely the big star here. And it has an 89 on Rotten Tomatoes. And it is insane. Let's dive in. Yeah, I mean, we can get right after it. We open with an obituary. And I'm going to read it because that's good podcasting. Ellen Taper Lay, Lay, Lee. I don't think we hear it on our ends. Yeah. Is it heard in the middle somewhere? Do you know if it's Lee or Lay, Chris? It's not important, I don't okay. think. <laughs> okay. We'll go with Lee. Ellen Taper Lee, 78, passed away after a prolonged illness at her daughter Annie's house on April 3rd, 2018. Beloved wife of the late Martin Lay. And I appreciate these that when they say late and then the like a person who has died in this obituary, they also put RIP in parentheses. It's like we already know they died. Like we agree that they should rest in peace. You don't need to put it in here. <laughs> Devoted mother of Annie Lay Graham and late Charles Lay, cherished grandmother of Peter Graham and Charlie Graham. She is also survived by her son-in-law, Dr. Stephen Graham. She will be missed. 
reposing at Kingston Funeral Home Friday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Funeral service will be held on Saturday at 10 a.m. Burial will take place at Spring Blossom Cemetery, which I tried to find and could not. Yeah, I understand why you read that because it is helpful to know the family structure. So I, I think it was a I think it was a cool way to start it out. But yeah, but pretty hard cut to a, a sunny day looking out a window at a treehouse. I mean, you could basically assume that anytime there's a scene where not much is happening, there's weird, eerie music happening in the background. It's just happening just ambiently the whole time. So just know that. Yeah. And the movie obviously ends in the treehouse. Spoiler to a little bit mm. from now when we talk about it. But why does Ari like ending all of his movies in wooden buildings? Huh? That's it. He's just like, <laughs> yeah, it's true. I'm calling it now. The final scene in his new movie, Disappointment Boulevard, it's going to take place in a cabin or a yurt. Mark my words. <laughs> it's going to happen. Yeah, so we see this this treehouse, and then the camera kind of pans from the window we were looking out, and we see around this room that is just out of control. <laughs> Apparently, the mom here that we learn in a little bit makes miniatures, so they're like a bunch of like miniature replicas of rooms and places in her life from the ones that we see. It finally ends on a house and starts to slowly zoom in on a bedroom. Meanwhile, a fly is flying around, which I don't know if it's important because I, I, we saw flies a few different times. It makes me feel like it's it, it's kind of a sign of something, but I don't know. So I don't know if it was my version of the movie that I watched, but the camera pan was not smooth for me, and, and it kind of felt intentional. It was just rocky almost. Was was that is that was that just my version, or did you guys experience that too? It may have been your version. I don't remember it being rocky. Okay, well, by the time it finally got to the close up of the dollhouse, I wanted to just jump out of my skin the first time I watched it. No, <laughs> right, it was so okay. uncomforting. That's what I've heard a lot of people say. It's this, yeah, it's kind of like a dollhouse. This this yeah, Tony Collette yeah. main character, she makes these miniatures, and a lot of people say that just the way that camera movement and the the look of the dollhouse mm-hmm. or whatever makes them physically have a physical reaction to it. Yeah. I didn't really experience that. It didn't bother me too much, but you're saying exactly what I was about to ask you a minute ago. <laughs> See, That's exactly yeah. what I was going to ask you. Did it bother you, Dave? It did. I I actually I did one final watch through today to uh, to make sure I had everything straight and I literally texted Michael this morning after my my last watch through to prep for the show and I was like I've only watched the first 15 minutes, which in most horror movies that we watch, like the first 15 is like meh, and the last 15 is like where where a lot of the action is. But I watched that first 15 and I was like sick to my stomach. Hmm. And it would like it maybe had to do a little bit with like the eeriness of this scene. And then we'll talk about it a little bit more. But there's like the funeral stuff going on and everything. It's just like I just felt bad mm-hmm. and it just makes right. me feel bad. Right. Hey, I would say that the word that I've heard to describe the way this movie makes you feel is malaise. That it makes you feel an overall sense of dread and malaise, like Mm. real horror. Yep. Yeah. But we do. The camera finally pans on this room. And after Michael went and threw up, we make our way into this room. And then the camera and I I tried to look and there really wasn't a cut. So I I do like the editing here that they did where Mm. the camera zooms in on this stationary miniature room. And then once we get zoomed in enough where the room is fully taking up the full screen, then just movement happens in it. And then we're in a house. Mm-hmm. in this house in the version of this house that exists in the real world and the dad makes his way into the room and just tosses a suit onto the son's bed and wakes him up because they got to get going we do finally meet the mom annie who is sitting out in the car looking relatively sad and we see the dad who is again arousing his children and looking for their daughter charlie who is a younger of the two and we find this daughter sleeping in the treehouse, the creepy, eerie treehouse that we just looked at. And the dad gets up there and wakes her up and says just the worst version of pneumonia that I've ever heard anyone <laughs> try and say. Seriously, it's in my notes. Yamonia. Yamonia. Like, you're absolutely right about this dad. He needs to insta I hate the dad so much. He drives me freaking bonkers. So he says he makes a comment about her getting pneumonia because she slept in a treehouse with like no blankets or anything. She's like laying on the floor like a weirdo. And then she says like, oh, yeah, that's okay." Like she's okay with dying to pneumonia. And the dad just continues on. Not your daughter just admitted to the fact that she'd be perfectly fine with committing suicide. And the dad just like, just another Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't understand. 
I hate the dad so much. <laughs> but <laughs> from here, we do uh, make our way to what I think is the funeral. Uh, it could be a wake. It could be kind of a combination of the two. It kind of cuts back and forth. Annie, the mom, is giving a speech and or I guess a eulogy. And she is kind of doing a weird job of it. She mentions that her mom is very secretive and private. She's surprised that it's a packed house and her mom wouldn't really even like that. So like, what are you doing here? (laughs) She's doing a very bad job of like thinly masking the fact that she hated her mom. And like she was just forced to do this. Yeah, she's barely even acting like she she liked her mom whatsoever. It's strange. Yeah. It is the strangest yeah. eulogy you ever hear. Yeah. But while she is giving this terrible eulogy, we do cut over to an open casket where people are paying their respects. And Charlie, the young daughter, makes her way. There's a weird shot of a close up of the necklace that the grandmother is wearing. Mm-hmm. It's like a weird gold symbol. Kind of looks like three penguins riding a tandem bicycle. <laughs> That's the best way I could describe it. I was going to ask, do you think it's the three old floppy penises that we see later, just side by side? Because yep, that's what that's it kind of looks like. Stacked too. up. Yep. Yeah, that's definitely it. <laughs> that's nice. You guys got to see that part. Oh, yeah. That's definitely <laughs> the best. Thanks. Thanks, Chris. No problem. <laughs> Every movie you see from me will have some, some weird penises in it. Perfect. Perfect. So Charlie looks away for a moment from the casket, and there is just some weird like blonde comb over looking dude who is smiling and just staring at her. And it's the creepiest shit. Mm-hmm. Didn't like it. Didn't like it yep. at all. <laughs> so after this, we cut back to the speech that Annie is giving and Charlie and the rest of the family are sitting in the audience and Charlie is clicking her tongue or whatever that means. There were some other words that were for it on the internet. Cause I felt like there was an actual word for it, but they were all bad. They were very bad. Yeah. But I think it's like kind of a a tick for her, Mm. or at least that's what I thought the first time I watched it. I saw this movie in the theaters and the the mouth, those get insane throughout the movie. I'm telling you, this is really one to experience in a theater. I know it's probably too late now, unless at some point they put it out again. But that was a crazy thing to hear in like movie theater sound. Yeah. Yeah. When I heard it first, because we hear it before we see her, I believe. I thought it was a drip from the ceiling. Like, that's what it sounded like at first. Sounds a little bit like that. Yeah, you're right. Which would then connect her, rightfully so, to the scene at the end with Annie and the blood drip from the attic ceiling. Kind of a connection there. Is that a reach? It's kind of a reach. It's kind of a reach, especially because it wasn't an actual drip. Fine. Okay, here's a better one then. (laughs) How about the fact that she can't have nuts? Is that a reference to how Ellen wanted her to be a boy? Well, yeah, but you can't have nuts. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah. yeah that yeah. may be. Mm. Yeah, she's so, so not a boy. She's allergic to nuts. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> wow. Ridic- never, never thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> Rightfully so, Chris. Rightfully so. I'm being quiet for the most part during this because I'm afraid that I'm going to say things that are going to give things away. I know. It's hard. So we do. um, Her dad reaches over, uh, annoyed at her clicking, I guess, but also at the fact that she's drawing the scariest, most ridiculous picture of her mom (laughs) giving this eulogy that's ever existed. He reaches over and just closes her sketchbook. Like, pay attention. Back to the open casket. Mom is at it now. She touches grandma's lips. I don't know what that was about. Creepy. Oh, that was her. I thought it was just some random lady. Are we sure? I thought that was her. I thought it was Annie, but maybe I'm wrong. I might be wrong. I could have sworn it was a random lady. It could have been a random lady. Mm. Well, some, somebody touched her lips, and I don't know why, and I hated it. Okay. We we cut back to Charlie, who has whipped out a full-size Hershey bar <laughs> and is just taking full-size bites out of it like a <laughs> fucking psychopath. This is when they should have known bad shit's going to happen because we have someone in our family who is taking full size bites out of a Hershey bar. Wait, so you you're one of the you're one of the people yes, who actually snaps off little pieces? Oh my god, no! That's what they're made for. That's like no. a kid. That's like someone eating a Kit Kat from end to end. It's just the worst. That's how I like, eat them. You have to you have to break it. <laughs> no, you just bite it. You just eat it. You just bite the it. The worst. You're the worst. How do you guys eat string cheese? I peel it because it's string cheese. I don't. I don't eat string cheese. If I did, <laughs> I would start doing peels and then it would just get too tedious and I would just eat chunks after that. When I was younger, I used to peel, of course. But as I got older, I was thinking like, ah, I'm worried that like beneath my fingernails might be dirty. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd agree with that. Okay. It just makes it tougher, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> do you eat your chocolate bars in bites or do you snap off the little pieces? <sighs> I guess I, I guess I snap them because I'm like... You know how like in Willy Wonka, he's trying to like just take little nibbles or take little pieces and make it last as long as possible. (laughs) 
So I mm-hmm. fool myself. I'll like open Kinder, yeah. Bu- Kinder Buenos are my favorite, but I'll open one and I'll snap a little piece off and I'll eat it and I'll pretend like I'm not going to eat the whole thing like right now, but yeah. I just in- inevitably walk right back into the kitchen and eat yeah. another piece and another this piece. This is so I can gone. save the rest for later. Right. Doesn't happen. Doesn't yeah. happen. I, too melty for me to snap off pieces. But anyway, move forth. Charlie's just going for it. And the whole family freaks out if there are nuts in there and there aren't. But the dad asks and then the mom asks. And they're like, oh, God, she's going to die if there's nuts in there. But then they finally arrive home. And the dad is a dick again, tells everyone to take off their shoes. It's like, come on, man. Grandma died. We went to her funeral today. You could let somebody walk through the house with their shoes for once. Mm-hmm. And they cut to or they show Annie and she's kind of concerned that she isn't sad enough and it doesn't seem like anyone in the family is really all that sad about it which is interesting but at this point we cut to the workshop and so we see the same workshop that we saw in the beginning and she is working on some miniatures here she does like art exhibits with them which i can't for the life of me understand who in the world would go to see that as an art exhibit Especially cool. if she brought the one of, of her mom breastfeeding her daughter. <laughs> I like that. Oh, you I've saw been that part? I'm like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's no, cool. Oh, nope. I'm leaving. I need to leave right now. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I, that's something that I had to just assume that it's a thing that people go to see exhibits of miniatures. And I, I can imagine it's the same kind of thing as like people who paint beautiful things on pins or whatever, mm-hmm. where it's like, it's just impressive that you're able to create such an elaborate thing that's small along the lines of people that are into toy trains and they build these big things. Yeah. I, I, I guess there is a market for that if you're talented of at it. Yeah. Do you see the detail that she got into her mother's breast? <laughs> sure. Speaking of beautiful things painted on pins that there is a market for, Chris. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can't wait to see where this is going. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got an enamel pin website. I love enamelpins.com. It's not me painting things on, on the heads no, of no, pins, no. but it's cool pins. But yeah, so Peter is just chilling in his bed, playing his guitar, being a cool teen. Dad comes in, tries to ask about his feelings. And he's like, yeah, get the fuck out of here. And dad's like, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> feelings. <laughs> Worst. Mom goes and checks on Charlie, who seems to be honestly the only sad-ish person out of the whole family. Grandma was the one who fed her as a baby. We learned this. She also wanted her to be a boy. I don't know what that's about. Charlie is... It seems sad, less about her grandmother passing away and more about the fact that she's just questioning like life and mortality and like who's going to take care of her if her parents pass away and all that fun stuff. Right. Tony's response, though, it's so it's such an odd response to me when she asks who's going to take care of her. She's like, oh, like your brother and your dad. I would have replied like, um, don't worry, I'm not going to yourself. Die. Yeah, I'm not going to die for like 30 more years. You chocolate bar eating bitch. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> the worst (laughs) we have to note that charlie you know i'm sure they play it up even more in the movie but she's strange looking (laughs) like that that is something that we should note here if if you've never seen this movie yeah i think they play it up she does actually have ccd i think it is is the abbreviation for it but it's a birth defect that affects your teeth and your bones someone who famously has ccd is uh Dustin from uh, Stranger D- Things. Dustin from Stranger Things, yes. Yep. So that it's similar sort of look. She kind of looks like the youngest Hanson brother, but after hearing the One Hit Thunder podcast episode with Chris's <laughs> anti-Hanson <laughs> rant, <laughs> that's what she looks like. She looks like she got beat over the face by Chris's anti-Hanson remarks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that, that's pretty accurate. And mean. Cool. Very mean. Cool. <laughs> My main point here is that definitely the way she looks is part of the movie. Like yeah. we're we're yeah. not they, they definitely played it up to make her look a certain way to make her her look different. Even though in real life she does have things that make her look different. But I'm trying to say this, and but it's definitely part of the movie. It's definitely <laughs> yeah. something important to note here. Yes, yeah, we for sure. But yeah, so before Awkward Mom leaves Charlie's room, she looks up and sees the word Satany carved into Charlie's wall. I don't know what that means. Nope. But it's there. But then Annie is getting ready for bed. She finds a box of her mom's things and opens it up, looks through a photo album for a second and decides like, fuck this, I don't want to be doing this. And then she sees a book titled Notes on Spiritualism and she opens it up and inside is a note from her mom. And the note basically says, you know, sorry, life was shitty. It'll all be worth it. You'll see. And it's weird. Just a true gaslighter. 
I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but also, by the way, I'm right. Like, that's literally what her letter was yep. saying. Don't worry. You'll see how right I was <laughs> and how great I was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but as Annie goes to leave the room, she shuts off the light <sighs> and then looks up one more time and a very kind of hard to see, kind of not hard to see, depending on how light or dark your room was. Mom standing in the corner of the room in in like a dark corner and Annie looks like visibly stressed about it and she even says like mom but then she turns the light back on and there's no one there did you guys see something there I just saw the mom I just saw the mom I mean I feel like you really got to be looking for it when I rewatch it I didn't really see it but you faintly see it that's another part that like really upsets some people it's almost like you're imagining it right It made me wonder, man. Like you placed, your mind placed it there instead of it being there. That's what I wondered when I saw it the first time. I wondered like, is there such a strong feeling that you're supposed to see something there that then you see it? Because I've experienced that kind of stuff before, you know, like in movies and things. And I just wondered, I think it is actually there though. I legitimately and sincerely almost shit my pants when she flipped the light and saw the ghost woman. So much so that (laughs) when I watched it the second time through to take my notes, I knew that part was coming and I was watching it at night. So I had to pause it and start back up in the morning when it was light out and the demons couldn't sneak up on me. Yeah, smart. I admit I'm a loser. I get scared by that type of stuff. I am an adult man and I'm afraid of the dark. I'm afraid of the dark. That's There's nothing wrong with that. And we got to mention too, if you're listening to a podcast, you're not hearing the score of this movie. It's right. very subtle and yep. just the ambient creepiness. Yeah, it complements the movie mm-hmm. so much. It's such a well done horror movie. I hate most horror movies. It's funny I'm coming on here for my Do second you? horror movie. That's all we've experienced for you, Chris. 98% of horror movies and I want to like them. I want to so bad. 98% of the time I'm like, oh, that sucked. That was terrible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's why these two are, are so special to me. I love them so much and I always enjoy watching it with someone who's never seen it before and just seeing their reaction to it. And there are definitely two movies, Midsommar and this, or two movies where I know in mid in Midsummer someone walked out in the opening scene, but I believe people may have walked out in Hereditary too, but I, I can't confirm that. But Those are my yeah. kind of movies though. Those are my kind yeah. of movies. Yeah, I know. Freddie got fingered. Yep. <laughs> People walked out of Freddy Got Fingered when I was in there. The baby scene. (laughs) Anyway, I know you're a fan. Go go ahead. (laughs) But yeah, so before Annie decides to leave, she's creeped out about the miniature of her mom holding out her teat for her young baby. So she runs over and swings that sucker around, points it to the wall like a picture you don't want to see you. Turns off the light and heads out the room. Mm -hmm. In school the next day, Charlie is playing with something kind of under her desk. Couldn't tell what it was. Yeah, it was like some kind of toy, but I really honestly could not tell what it was. I tried to figure it out too. And the teacher's like, do your quiz, then you can play with your toy. It's fine. And, And she's like, okay. And she flips over a quiz and she's about to start it. And then a bird flies out of the window so hard that it leaves a blood splatter on the window. And all the kids in the classroom are like, whoa. And it's it's this whole thing. I got to say, that is totally realistic because right now I literally have one of those on my kitchen window that I haven't cleaned off yet because birds do that. Yep. I've had, I have a big picture window in the front of my house and usually my dogs get their nose marks all over it. So it's not bad. But if my wife fully cleans it, it's almost guaranteed that we will get a bird to fly into it shortly after. It's the worst. I thought Charlie summoned the bird into the window, kind of like Walt from Lost. That's what I thought. Oh, interesting. I don't know Walt from Lost. You just think it was a natural occurring thing? I'm not necessarily think, saying it's a natural thing. I just think that it does happen. It okay. wasn't completely unnatural. What do you think, Chris? Um, I feel like I shouldn't talk about it. Oh, okay. All, All right. right. Perfect. Fine. As to not as to not give anything away. Okay, fair. So then as we fade out of this room, Charlie just stares at some scissors. Yep. Whatever that's supposed to mean. That's ominous. But then we cut to Peter, who is in class as well, staring at a girl's ass. Nice. It's not even a nice butt. And if you're a high school girl, you have to wear a tighter shirt so that when you sit like that, the people behind you can see those dimple things on your lower back. Them's the rules. It's only courteous. <laughs> we're just talking about manners here. Guys. We're not into high school girls, but we're saying like when. No, we but like when school. we were in yeah, high school, yeah, we yeah. were in high school. Girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Except for me. I was in a 28 year olds. So. Peter does get a text and he looks down at his text and this is the last thing we see in our first 15 minutes and we just caught it enough to be able to read it. It is from God knows who. We do not know who, but we can see that Peter says, working, want to twirl around later? No idea what that means. 
And then the other person says, sure, let me just finish waxing my D. And then Peter says, good luck, send pics. And then the other person says, want to smoke a bowl at break? And I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> yeah, and that's where our last 15 minutes ends. Not a lot yet. It's crazy how much happens. Nope. <laughs> it's crazy how where this goes, but okay. Uh, yeah, the last 15. So it begins at one hour, 48 minutes and four seconds. We open to Peter getting out of bed, but holy shit, there is a pajama Tony Collette creature up in the corner of the ceiling, and it's frightening. Creepy. He notices out his window that there's a red glowing light coming from the treehouse outside. We see that he has a broken nose with some ghetto-ass bandages on it, and as he slowly turns his head to look in the ceiling ghoul's direction... She air swims away out of the room behind him. And I laughed out loud the first time that I saw it. it it's simultaneously spooky and just goofy as fuck. It's some of the floating is like real weird. Yeah. <laughs> he slowly starts checking out the dark, creepy old house calling for his mom and dad. And this is exactly why I hate big old houses like this. Like, sure, it has character, but it also has creaky floorboards and smells like ghost pee. Enough. Enough of the old houses. I'm honestly so lost here because I feel like every other horror movie ever, if a character within the last 15 minutes was waking up in a bed, they would have known bad shit was going down. Something bad is happening. But he's like genuinely like kind of confused and just like looking for his parents. And I'm like, wait, has he not experienced any of the bad, like any bad stuff? I mean, he's got a broken nose and a bandage on it or whatever. I was just so confused about like where in the timeline this was even happening. Did he just lose his memory and just wake up? Like what is no going comment. on? <laughs> okay, perfect. It's a good question, but I, I'm all done with the old houses. All houses should be demolished and rebuilt after 75 years. It's like a person. Like, we don't have any 180-year-old people running around. So take your 1830s farmhouse and shove it. I live in an old farmhouse. The guy, when I bought the house, weird guy, weird guy, straight out of a horror movie. I'm telling you, weird <sighs> ass guy. He was, you know, showing like there's a little pond outside showing like, you know, it was nice of him to come and like show me the ropes of the house. And at the time, there's a tree out in the front and there was a mailbox, not the ma the mailbox is down by the road here, but this was like stuck in a tree, like between two limbs. And he's like, you have any other questions? And then we were like, yeah, what's the deal with the mailbox stuffed in the tree? And he just stood there silently. I'm talking, oh it was probably <laughs> six or seven. Terrible. It was probably Cancel the closing. Already bought it. <laughs> We're it was already leaving. bought it. He was out of, out of niceness. He came to oh, show stuff no. about the house. And he stood there for like six or seven seconds, which felt like an eternity. 100 years. <laughs> you know, the, at the time, I, my ex-wife was like, well, you don't have to tell us if you don't want to. And he's like, no. So the old man he was like in his 80s i think and but the the mailbox was on the other side of the road and he was walking across the road to get his mail and a, a kid from the community college 18 year old i think came flying over the hill and hit him and sent him like 100 yards down the road and that's how he died and when the guy, when the son told us a story i mean i say son the guy's probably late 50s or something he literally said the following thing which i always think about he goes and then it sent him like 100 yards down the road and he looked at us and went bag of bones like in my head i'm going what did he just say and after he left we were like did he say bag of bones like i think he said bag of bones and i, I always <laughs> think about that like i live in this house by myself that always has bats and the old man died <laughs> right here where i'm looking out the window and it's old farmhouse creaky floorboards i mean i live in such a potentially haunted place just wanted to get that out there that i literally live in one of those places so like i'm sorry about your dad but what the hell does that have to do with this mailbox it has to do with the mailbox because his dad was crossing the road to get the mail because the mailbox used to be on the other side of the road like you had to cross the road so i don't know why he stuffed the mailbox as like a tribute to the dad in the tree or whatever but his i mean dad. it's a terrible Ooh. story anyway so, sorry guys <laughs> that was a real left turn sorry I would have immediately moved. The fact that you're still in that house is amazing. So Peter hears a loud bang. So he goes downstairs to check on it. Absolutely not. I would be putting the covers over my head, calling 911. You're like 15 and you have a broken nose. What are you going to do against the devil spirit in PJs? Why are you even trying? What are you looking for? Go mm -hmm. somewhere safe. He gets to the <laughs> den and he finds 
what I'm guessing is the charred body of his dick dad on the ground. It's really interesting to me that you guys really don't like the dad. I got to remember, you guys are seeing this from a different perspective than me. Yeah. Well, while he's down there, Ghost Tony is up in the rafters watching. He hears the door creak, turns around, and it's the smiling guy from the funeral. Except he's 100% naked and silent, and his impressive penis is out. Finally. Oh, God. It took more episodes this season than usual, but we've, we have our first nominee for our season three award show for best penis shown category. I mean, we're going to get the year's worth in one episode now. So, <laughs> Who won last year's? <laughs> I think Dirk Diggler. Oh. Can't not be Dirk It was Diggler. a shoo-in. So Peter hears a noise. He looks up where Ghost Tony was, now vacant. He turns back again, and she starts chasing him. And here we are for the second time. I had to check my pants for pooping. <laughs> Uh, she's so fast she's so quick so fast fucking jumps up those stairs it's scary she chases him up he makes it to the attic and just gets the ladder up and the door thing closed and locked with her below he begs for her to to stop with just drool dripping from his mouth and we hear her knocking we hear knocking you know that an oculus but then it cuts to her knocking and it's with her head in rapid succession and it Uh is it is just fucked it's just you know, fuck. I noticed the second time I watched this is that the knocks weren't lining up with when her head hit the thing. Wow. She was hitting faster than the knocking was happening. I bet it was on purpose. Yeah, maybe. Just to make it creepier. I would be willing to bet that anything that unless it was one of those deals, you guys ever watch like, I know this always happens when I watch 30 Rock for some reason on Netflix, that the, sometimes the voices will get slightly off of the mouths and it drives me crazy. I feel like it happens more with that show than anything else. I used to have to stop it and restart it all the time because of that. Drives me crazy. But anyway, if it's not an issue like that, I'm sure it's intentional. Yeah, probably. This thing is just loaded with nightmare fuel. Now, <laughs> she finally stops just, just randomly and Peter starts to look around the attic. There are black fly type things, flies, I guess, just flying around the attic. Are you sure? Are you sure there are black flies, Michael? I actually had to text David because I wasn't sure if my version of the video was just bad. (laughs) It was just degraded. (laughs) Why couldn't you get a better version of the video that I sent to you to watch? Because my computer is very old. I have a very old computer. Oh, oh, really? I uh, how old's your computer, Michael? It's for it's from 2012, so it's it's it hit the 10 10 year mark this year, which for Uh, a computer is pretty old. 2012. Did you uh, did you know that uh, somebody that I used to know was the the top billboard uh, top the billboard charts in in 2012? Gautier. Oh. That's a great song, and it was actually on an episode of One Hit Thunder. Yeah, right? I like that song too, but you need to get a new computer. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, now I'm just somebody that you need to blow. Why? Why? <laughs> Why did you do that? No. Because you need to blow me. He finds an oval of lit candles <laughs> on the ground <laughs> around the impression of a headless body. It's like a dust body. And in the belly of the body print is a picture of him with the eyes burnt out, which is just frightening. It's just frightening to come up to come upon that naturally with the thousand flies that are up here. Yeah, he he starts doing the Lloyd Christmas dry heave gif from Dumb and Dumber and then does what any normal person would do. He starts slapping his own face to try to wake himself up. Yeah. At this point, I would full on be like, yep, dreaming. This is this can't be real. Right. No such luck. As he starts to hear some squirting noises, like when your bottle of Heinz is almost empty. You like that, Chris? I'm I'm trying to make this podcast as Pittsburgh as possible for Yins. Love it. He looks up, and of course the squirting is coming from a levitating Tony Collette, just up at roof level, slicing her own neck with an invisible wire, or or like one of those Not invisible, you could see it, it's just your bad computer. Yeah, I guess my bad computer maybe not see it. It looked invisible to me. Just back and forth, faster and faster until we hear a ding, like a, like a bell ringing. And Peter looks straight ahead to see three naked old people, two ladies and a different dude with a much less impressive pee-pee than the first guy. It's all bush, no flower. And Peter does what any logical teenager would do. He screams, time to go, turns around, <laughs> jumps out the window right through the glass to his death. <laughs> yep, time to go. This is either a dream and I'm going to wake up or it's not and it's over. Either way, it's fine. Yeah, I don't know, man. That's a lot. That's a lot to see. Yeah. Plus, I mean, he already knows that his dad is completely cool with either of his kids committing suicide. <laughs> like, what else? <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> so he probably feels like dad would want me to do this. <laughs> I'm really scared that if I was ever in a situation like that, 
that I would just be frozen. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to move. In dreams, like bad dreams, I'll get that way. Like I can't punch or I can't whatever. And I'm worried that like if I see three old naked people and a lady cutting her own head off, that I'm not going to be able to move. I'm worried yeah. about that. I truly hope for your sake and for all of our sake, Chris, that that doesn't ever happen to you and we never yeah. need to find out. Yeah. I hope you never come across a bag of bones. Bag of bones. Mm. So this next part, I mean, not like any of this has been easy to explain, but this next part is hard to explain. <laughs> we we see a black shadow leave Peter's lifeless body and this little glowing soul moth takes its place in him, which brings him to life. But I believe as Charlie, as evidenced, he, he she, it, it, it does a tongue click. See, the first shadow I didn't think was him the shadow leaving his body. I thought that there was his mom floating out the window over him. Could be, but Charlie is now in Peter. Ouch, Charlie. Charlie's in May. Charlie bit May. We're so topical. It's unreal. (laughs) Unreal how topical we are. (laughs) I love a good Charlie bit my finger reference. I love it. Keep it coming. Uh, Ghost Tony floats up and into the treehouse, and Peter Charlie makes his and her way there. On his trek, he, she sees what looks like a dead dog lying in the grass. I'm not sure what that was. That dog was so cute. I'm sad about it. But then immediately after the dog, we see three more naked people. So we are now up to seven naked old folks just chilling on the premises. And one of them of these new three is actually cupping his dick like it's a harmonica he's getting ready to play. I don't know what that's Mm -hmm. all about. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's they didn't pay him enough to throw his dick out there. Here's an interesting question. If you're like an extra like that, that's just like around naked standing there how much do you think those people get paid that's a really good question because i mean hbo's really been putting the penises out there the last year or two i don't know what shows you guys watch euphoria being the most penises ever i mean it has to be the world record check it out david (laughs) well yeah sounds like so many so so many and i would actually say 100 percent of the time it's unnecessary to Mm. the plot yeah most of the people are like naked and just there. And I was like, what do these people get paid? So I did I actually did some research and I found an article. There was mm. there was something similar to that in Westworld. People got paid six hundred dollars for the day to be on set and be doing like fake sexual acts around while they filmed. Six hundred dollars to be in a thing that is going to be on the internet and in the world forever. And you're just going to be a naked person on, on there forever. 600 bucks. But these people want this. Like these are people that this is, they just want, they're, they're exhibitionists. Like they, yeah, I want, I want a lot of people to see, see my pee pee. Yeah. 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 Which I get, I get, but like you, $600 would not be enough for me to stand in a corner and play my pee pee like a harmonica. Let's hope this guy got more than 600 for this one. Let's hope. Charlie Peter finally makes it to the treehouse, and there's a bunch of people in prayer position, is the best way I would describe it. Some clothed, some penis tips dangling. It just They just keep on coming. It's just all over the place. Yeah, and they are praying to a crowned mannequin next to a bird in a birdcage. Oh, and the mannequin's head appears to be a rotting Tony Collette's severed head. Oh, no, I thought that was Charlie's head. Oh, it was Charlie's head. Oh. Personally, I thought that was Charlie's head, but it might not be. I don't know. Charlie's head's that big. I don't know. Mm, I don't know. She had kind of a big head. Remember when we were making fun of how she looks, and then we found out that she had a physical thing going on? So it's it's definitely a real person's rotting head. We just don't know which real person. For sure. Okay. The two bodies in praying position in the front of everybody else are headless. I assume one is Tony. It's because it looks fresh. And the other one is rotted and gray, so it looks like it's been there a while. I'm not sure whose it is. Maybe these weird fuckers found a way to get the grandmother's body from the funeral home is maybe my guess. Or it's Charlie. It's too big to be a Charlie girl. She's little. I don't think so. Those were adult-sized bodies. I didn't think so. You think they were two small bodies? They were the same size, so... No, I think I've, I they weren't that close to the same size. And a 13-year-old is not that much smaller than their parents. Charlie is a small 13-year-old. Uh, I mean, yes. Chris, can you tell us or does it give stuff away? I cannot comment on this okay <laughs> no comments perfect well i think i'm right as usual and i think i'm right as usual so the same type of hauntingly beautiful but triumphant music from the end of midsummer has started playing same type of deal same feel we see a framed picture of the grandmother titled queen and a random woman gets up and puts the crown on charlie's head which we now have confirmed 100 this is charlie in Peter's body because this woman calls her Charlie. She explains to Charlie about how she, Charlie, is one of the kings of hell, Payman, 
and they all worship him and reject the Trinity. We're getting a lot of information here. Mm. Now, the actor did not blink the entire speech, which was very, very, very impressive and also unsettling. There's a bunch of articles online about Alex Wolf, the actor who plays um, Peter, saying that this movie yep. took a toll on him. I hear that from other actors, too. I just there's some actors and actresses that really take the roles to heart. Uh, Rosie Perez was just on the newest episode of Marin. And she gets into that. She plays these roles that trigger these things from her childhood and, and upbringing and everything that just take a mental toll on her. I'm famously, I don't know if you guys have seen Dancer in the Dark, the Bjork movie, the Lars von Trier directed Bjork movie. Also one of the darkest, most disturbing. If you guys ever have me back on, please Dancer in the Dark. <laughs> because it's just, we, we yeah, we got to just, I just got to keep feeding you guys the most disturbing movies ever. <laughs> but, you know, you hear about this kind of stuff and I believe it. That that kid, Alex Wolf, he really did a great job in this movie, I think. I mean, Tony Collette is probably the highlight, but he's just a, yeah. a short rung below. So all of the treehouse goers all start shouting, hail payment, hail payment, creepy. It zooms out so we can see the entire treehouse room, and it kind of resembles a dollhouse or like the miniatures project, the way that it zoomed into the beginning, just now in reverse, which was cool, except this one's full of old naked man butts with dangling scrotes, and I don't want to see this room. Let's go back to the room with just the kid in the bed. <laughs> Agreed. And then it fades to black, and Both Sides Now by Judy Collins starts to play What in the Ever-Living Hell, Christopher? Have you done yes? What? This movie what? Why? sure is a work of art, in my opinion. Once again, I'm kind of bummed you guys haven't seen the middle yet. I would highly recommend you watch the middle after we finish this episode because it is. I don't know if I'm going back for this one. Oh man, I highly suggest it. No, no. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just these movies stick with this movie sticks with me. I enjoy it every time I watch it. Enjoy it in such a dark, strange way. And once we do the questions part and everything, there are things I'll talk to you about that I, I think in my interpretation of the movie make it that much cooler and better of a horror movie than these 98 or 99 percent of them that I hate so all right perfect well before we get into those questions it is time for a center commercial mm, I need a break today's episode is brought to you yet again by athletic greens ag1 we are drinking the tropical deliciousness, and you can too. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. Yeah, adaptogens. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All the things, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, or like me, everything all the time, it fits your diet. AG1 is a small micro habit with big benefits. It's one thing you can do every single day to take great care of yourself. Athletic Greens was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine to recover. It cost him $100 a day. Michael's paid less than that for every single one of his cars. <laughs> Thankfully, their founder did create the solution and is now sharing it with the world. And the best part is it only costs you less than $3 a day. Easily cheaper than what you're paying to go to Starbucks every day to try and get that barista to notice you. But right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you need to do is visit athleticgreens.com emerging. Again, that is athleticgreens.com emerging to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, Michael, now that our bodies are nice and well taken care of for us to jump out of a three-story window, what should our listeners be doing? They should be hitting up our TikTok and TikTok. our Instagram at the underscore center underscore cut. There's a lot of good stuff on there, guys. Go get it. Yep. And if you want to send us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform that would be nice too just don't send us a three and please like only send it if you like us <laughs> we don't want to hear from you if you don't and no we do want to hear from you just an email at the center cut at gmail.com we are open to feedback just do it yeah. in private you don't you don't show up at work and in front of everyone in a meeting say you suck mr boss yeah you just said it in a discreet memo yeah okay all right anyway thank you <laughs> thanks All right, Chris, 
just like last time, you have some great questions for us. I am ready to be quizzed, and I'm going to avenge my loss from Midsommar, and I am going to win this time. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm excited for this because I'm going to be surprised. Uh, maybe there's one or two of these I think maybe both of you will get, but these are in chronological order. Charlie finds a dead bird sitting on top of the bush outside of the school. We talked about this bird, the one that ran in the window. What does she do with it? I think she just hangs on to it for later, throws it in her pocket or book bag, and just like, she wants to play with that later. So she, she brings it with her. I'm along the same lines, but I think it's visually hinted at because she ogles the scissors at the end of that bird crash scene. So I think she cuts off the bird's head and its wings and then puts those in her pocket and tosses the body on the ground like it's like it's a lump of dog shit. She doesn't... Actually, no, you know what? I think that's the same bird in the birdcage at the end. So... I think she puts the body in her other pocket. So she cuts off the head and wings, puts those in one pocket, and then the body in the other. Okay. I- I'm trying to, to determine how to pass out points here, because you guys are both right. She cuts off the bird's head. <sighs> well, then I think yeah, I'm more right. Yeah, I, I think if I have to decide between you two, you're definitely way more right. She does take it with her. She does take the, the, bird's, the okay. bird's body with her. But yeah, she cuts off the bird's head with the scissors. Good job. I know that I'm getting a point. I don't know how you want to give, give Dave half a point or zero points. I gave but. Dave half a point for putting it in her pocket and taking it with her because she does do that. Fine. I'll accept that. All right. One to a half. Question number two. Charlie goes into anaphylactic shock at a high school party. What causes it? I think this was also hinted at in our ends with the chocolate at the funeral. So I think that she eats something with nuts. Now, for me, no party is complete without peanut butter. And if I could pick the way I died, death by peanut butter sounds like a dream to me. <laughs> no party complete without peanut butter. Yeah, just true. peanut butter. <laughs> yeah. If there's peanut butter at a party, I'll go. <laughs> the kicker, though, is I think she does it on purpose because it was a directive from the unclothed crew. And I think that the clicking of her tongue signifies her tongue getting stuck to the roof of her mouth with the peanut butter. Interesting. Dave? Well, she dies. Interesting. So I don't think she does it on purpose, but I do think that it's it's got to be not related. They just hinted at it too hard in the beginning for it to not be not related. I would actually venture to say, you know, they are also setting up the fact that she loves chocolate. So I'm going to say like there are some like brownies or something chocolatey, a chocolate cake or something, but it had nuts in it. She didn't realize and and ate, ate said thing and... Uh, and went into shock. You're getting a full point, Dave. It was actually <sighs> that there were nuts in the chocolate cake, which is so funny because I thought Michael was setting himself up to go, no party's complete without cake. And, <laughs> and <laughs> instead he went with peanut <laughs> no. butter. And No, that's too obvious. I mean, you're right about the nuts. It's almost like I want to give Michael the half point for the nuts. I'll take a half a point. I mean, yeah. I think of course you'll tie up one and a half to one. It's whether or not Chris wants to give you one. I guess. I guess because you know it was the peanuts. Technically, that was my question. Was it was the nuts? Yeah, it's not death by chocolate. It was death by nuts. So that's still the this is true. The important part. One and a half to one and a half. (laughs) So as we progress, this she eats the nuts at this party. Her brother was upstairs smoking some weed with some girl he thought was hot, but then he realized what's going on naturally, and he realized he has to rush her to the hospital. What happens to Mm -hmm. Charlie on the way to the hospital? I think that she gets kind of like possessed and in doing so is getting kind of crazy in the ambulance and the ambulance gets into an accident and she gets decapitated. Wow. I'm along the same lines, but not not as detailed. I I just think she whispers something like, hail payment. And then just dies like she just goes uh, like she just goes limp. So I think she dies on the way to the hospital and it makes Annie very, very sad. The dad doesn't care because he thinks it's her own fault for catching pneumonia. But yeah, pneumonia. Pneumonia. <laughs> I'm going to give Dave half a point for, get, for getting the decapitation part right. <sighs> oh, yes. But she, but she does die on the way to the hospital, no? So there's no ambulance involved. It yeah. is Peter speeding down the road, trying to get her to the hospital on time. He's sweating, panting. She's in the back thrashing because she can't. Yeah. She rolls down the window to stick her head out the window to breathe. He swerves to miss a dead deer in the middle of the road and her head smashes off a telephone pole and decapitates her. Oh, this and, would have all oh, come no. full circle if you said it was a mailbox. Yeah, yeah. And Ooh, I yeah. will tell you that I cannot think of a scene that has been more disturbing Ooh, than watching a 13-year-old get decapitated. He stops the car and he's just in this state of shock, just... You just, you're, for an uncomfortably long time, you sit there and you put yourself in his shoes of this just happening and you watch his face and you watch him try to like catch his breath of realizing and just hearing him like, Charlie, you know, he knows what happened, but you just for such a long time, watch him sit there and you just experience the whole thing. And it is, that is pure horror. 
That is t- that is mm. real horror. And that's what I could imagine would have been like a scene that would fuck you up. I still think the number one for me is the scene from The Leftovers where the guilty remnant gets rocks thrown at their face. It's bad. Okay, so yes, I agree that Dave should get a point there, but I half would argue point. my half answer was point. she dies. Okay, fine. I'll take a half a point. Yeah, I mean, obviously she dies. Everyone dies. No, she, it could. She, she's going on her way to the hospital. She could have survived. I'm giving anyway. I'm giving him a half point because he got the decapitation yeah. right, which is probably exactly. And, very- and you're getting none. Oh, so Dave only gets a half a point. Yes, and you're getting none. So I'm at two, and you're at one and a half. Uh, okay. The most disturbing thing, and this is not part of my questions too, is that he then he's in shock. He drives back home and just goes and lays in bed. With his with his sister's you know headless body still in the back of the car, perfect. And it's not till the next morning when the screams wake him up, and it is just I mean, perfect. It is definitely nightmarish. All this stuff because oh, it's like gross. yeah. All right, so next question: What miniature scene does Annie create that upsets her husband Steve? So I, I think we actually see this in our end when Annie turns it around in the shop after seeing the ghost lady. I think it's the one with Ellen whipping out her tit to try and feed Charlie. I think that would upset her husband because dude's definitely a prude. It's like, guy, it's one of the most natural things on earth. So so what if it's the grandmother and all the milk inside is dried up or curdled? Just let it be. It's natural to want to breastfeed a little girl. Okay. Dave? I think that's wrong, which is great. No matter how terrible a part of her life is, I think that's where she pulls all of her inspiration for these things. So I think it's related to Charlie's death. Either maybe her uh, Charlie's funeral or the, the scene that she came out to, to her being being beheaded in the car something charlie related but i think that would set the dad like the dad had no problem with the grandmother in hospice i don't think he would have had that much a problem with with the, the breastfeeding grandma i think that if it was something involving charlie's death he would have been really disappointed and would have wanted her to get rid of it so which one are you going with I think the car might be too graphic, so I'm going to go with Charlie's funeral. That is not correct. You should have went with the other answer. Ah. She recreates the car, the telephone pole, the decapitated <laughs> daughter in miniature form. Okay, wow. Michael wasn't even close. I feel like I should get it. No, at least you, some you, you had the, he gave you the option to pick your answer, and you picked the wrong one, buddy boy. I wanted to give you a half a point. You did get it. Yeah, you're in charge here. Don't let him <laughs> boss you around. <laughs> I'm gonna. I I think that was that was pretty good. I mean, I. Uh, fine. I think you should fine, still get half a point. Fine, that's that's pretty fine. good. Two and a half to one and a half. Yeah. I'm still in striking distance. Basically, husband Steve was like, "What the fuck? Why?" <laughs> and, she, yeah. and she's just completely like, "What?" She's she's totally like, "What?" Like she she sees nothing wrong with the fact that she's recreated this scene. I thought it was creepy that it was her mom in hospice was a thing. Right. Never mind if she made her daughter's death into it. Oh my god, that's terrible. Okay, so now at this point, Annie is definitely. I mean, she's been losing it throughout the whole movie, but she's really losing it at this point. What does Annie see all over Peter's face when she walks into his room in the middle of the night? Yes. <laughs> I know what you're thinking, Michael, and it's terrible. Stop. Get your mind out of the gutter, you jerk. I think that she sees flies. We see flies in the beginning. We see flies in the end. I think they are actually a major point in the movie. He is His fa- whole face is covered in flies. Okay. Before I answer this, I, I need to give a pre-warning that some people might, oh, might find this no. answer gross. No, but listen, I am going off the fact that this is the same guy... Ari Aster, who wrote Midsommar, and he literally had a scene with a dude drinking a smoothie made out of pubes and period blood. So I don't think it's that off base. I think little Peter Peter here got his red wings. He was Peter Peter sanitary napkin eater. He had some fun with his lady friend that time of the month. I don't even feel that weird saying that because he's just he's not Ari is not averse to putting weird sexual things in his movies. It's not a crazy answer. I think the answer is blood, specifically of the punctuation variety. Yeah, that that's way off. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> it was actually ants and and if you guys would have seen the movie earlier it was when they show the decapitated charlie head on the side of the road it is covered in ants so so close Uh, yeah i mean so much closer than you well you know what i don't think my answer is crazy okay what does annie see period blood the worst (laughs) what does annie see when she goes up into the attic So my initial guess was that mannequin thing and a naked person because you can actually. So when Peter first goes up into the attic in the background, the way background, you can just make out a naked person there. Really? You can. Yeah. I didn't see that. 
This might be what we talked about before, where like we you like you put things where where they aren't because you had the lowest quality video of anyone. Yeah, I think you just fabricated that naked person. <laughs> no, there like, was definitely in your mind there, there was no, a naked there, person. There, there really was, I promise. <laughs> I bet those black flies are up there because there was a goddamn dead rotting body, specifically Ellen's, the grandmother. I think that those nudists slipped some kind of embalming shit in her mouth at the funeral. I don't think it was Annie. I think it was one of them, which oh, semi preserved her at least enough to get her up in the attic, so that way like she wouldn't be melting in their fingers like rotten cheese while they do it so that was what the the rubbing of the lips was yep embalming fluid and uh it's her dead body up in the attic so like each of them touched her face in a different spot to like embalm her head <laughs> no she drank the embalming fluid what <laughs> i didn't put logic into that part of it okay i just can't take how you just take science and disregard it like you just throw it to the side like it doesn't matter none of it matters <laughs> Just drink, drink Lysol. You'll be fine. I think we've come to terms with the fact that it, that isn't Charlie up in the treehouse. Uh, I kind of feel like it is, though. I think that's Charlie's body. I don't know why. I think it is. I think I want to give Michael a full point here because oh yeah, it's actually the headless corpse of the grandmother. He didn't say that she's headless, but. He's right. It is. Yeah, it, it was, is her corpse yeah. up there. So I want to give yes. him a full point for that. That was. Cool. Uh, do we know? Did we find out about what they put on her lips? Is that involved uh, at all? Or? No, I no. did not. Okay. But you could be right about that. There are there are awesome YouTubes where people break down every aspect of this movie. But I'm not sure about yeah. that. I will note that I don't think you guys saw this in the last 15 minutes. But a big character in this movie, someone who does a seance, is part of this group of people is her last name's Dowd and she's from The Leftovers. Oh, from uh, The Leftovers yeah. and Dowd. Right. Yeah, she's a yeah. she's a big character in this movie. Oh, which, she she's a good actress. Yeah, which I don't think you you don't you don't see her in the first no, or last 15 minutes, but she is nope. a big part of what's going on here even though I didn't ask you guys any questions about it. Mm, I love her. All right, two and a half to two and a half, David. All right, we got two questions left too. Oh boy. What happens to Peter in class? This would have been after Charlie died, mm -hmm. is my guess. Yep. I think that he kind of goes temporarily insane and either slams his head on his desk or slams his head against the wall or something. But that's how he breaks his nose. Like he's in class and he just like goes crazy and slams his face against something. Uh, he got punched in the nose for sticking his face in other people's business, which is an awesome <laughs> song by the band Boys Night Out. But first, a quote from the wedding singer. But. I think he was staring at that girl's jeans too much. He popped a denim cock and he got sucked for it. <laughs> denim cock. Dave is right. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, yeah, Damn it. he he's. Yeah. It seems like he's <sighs> possessed. His hand raises up in the air. His wrist bends in a very weird position. His face is all fucked up, and he smashes his face off the desk. And then he he's on the floor, and everyone in the class is like shocked. And he gets up screaming and crying and everything and yeah does he just like at that point pass out and then him waking up is the next time we no, see him no he doesn't pass out <laughs> during that he as soon as his face is smashed off the desk then he's like he like snaps, yeah, he out, snaps of out of whatever is yeah. over top of him there's a really creepy ah. scene where he looks over to the left and there and sees his reflection in the glass cabinet and he's obviously not smiling but the reflections looking back at him smiling hate it classic twin peaks bob in the mirror two and a half to three and a half david all right Annie begs her husband, Steve, to burn Charlie's sketchbook. When he refuses, she throws it into the fire. What happens next? This was probably the most difficult question for me. I think this has something to do with why he ends up charred at the end. So I bet that he immediately tries to reach in and take the sketchbook back out of the fire. But then that smiling, impressive dick guy just comes out of nowhere and kicks him into the fire. <laughs> And Annie tries to help get him out, but then some other nudists come in and keep her at bay, which is why there was the struggle with, you know, the knocked over chairs, etc. And uh, he burns to death and that naked guy just keeps smiling in the background. Hmm. Interesting. I um very similar answer, but I do think that, you know, he tries to reach in and grab it. Uh, it's kind of something that was important to him from his daughter and he wants it. So he tries to reach into the fire. But then at that point, I think a not real physics like he goes up in flames supernaturally and just like as soon as he reaches into the fire he immediately is fully engulfed in flames and runs around the room and then eventually ends up perishing charred i n neither of you are right so i guess i guess dave <laughs> takes it i mean dave was closer it is as we realize earlier annie tries to burn it and when she throws it into the fire her arm catches on fire so she pulls it back uh... out she pulls it back out pats out the fire and then the fire on her goes out he just 
fully caught on fire and, and burned to death. Yeah. So, yeah. And that kind of that happened pretty close to where you guys then saw the last 15 minutes. Anyway, this what I think is so amazing about this movie and why I think you should watch the rest of it is that to me, yeah, now we bring payment into it and it's like this strange cult. But what I think is really awesome and crazy about this movie is my interpretation of it is it's someone, Annie, losing her mind. That's what's going on through this movie. And is what's happening what is happening or is this what it feels like to grieve so hard that you lose your mind is this mm. someone who's and i ask myself this just after a visit to the at halloween time we went down to the transit atlantic insane asylum in west virginia which is like supposed to be one of the most haunted places where they did all the lobotomies were done uh, and uh. and you see all these people that had all these mental illnesses severe mental illnesses and I wonder when I watch this movie, is this, are you seeing this from the perspective of someone with a severe mental illness experiencing extreme grief to the point where this stuff is just what you believe is happening? And I, I don't know, maybe that's a stretch. Maybe hmm. that's a stretch, but that's why I like this movie. I feel like the horror of this movie is anyone would feel under these sort of extreme circumstance and i think that's what i've seen like reviews say this is like this taps into like actual real terror terrible terrible stuff happens all the time that is tapping into real horror and why do i want to watch something like that and experience it i don't know it's kind of like the same sort of thing that people say like why do you dream it's like some people think it's your mind's way of preparing you for bad things that are going to happen because then you've experienced them before in one way or another and it's given your mind time to like work things out if that makes sense yeah well it's like why do why do people laugh at, at other people's pain yeah i i don't know i i think also on top of that pulling it out of the morbid i just think this is so geniusly shot and feel like as you guys were even saying look at that opening shot of the house that gives you that weird feeling and then when you finally zoom in on that one room it turns into the actual movie yeah yeah and like the payment stuff and the cult stuff sometimes i feel like that's a real cheap way to tie things together like oh it's just this crazy cult that's what it was i feel like that's a the same deal as like oh it was all a dream or you know it's it's, yeah. it's in a way that can be a weak way to tie together loose ends instead of having it be this story where you're like what whoa yeah <laughs> once again i would really really love it if you guys watch the whole movie and watch one of those things i think you yeah. will absolutely love this movie if you see like that watch it be horrified and then see the explanation of it i think it's a genius beautifully done absolutely terrifying movie i love it i will definitely watch the middle you may have convinced me we'll see it was a wild ride chris we thank you for gracing us with your presence and taking time out of yes. your busy schedule yet again to be here. I know we touched on many of the things you do at the top, but of all the things you're doing right now, what's the one thing we didn't plug hard enough that you want the listeners to check out if they haven't already? Um, let me start by saying that I love you guys podcast. Thanks. This is great. I love the concept. I always have so much fun and I hope you'll, you will have me back for a third yep, time, maybe yep. for Dancer in the Dark. That'd be a fun one. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I would say my life's work is the band Punchline and that's what I, if someone doesn't know anything about me, check out my band Punchline. We have lots and lots of songs and albums. We have a podcast where you can learn the story of our band. It's called A Band Called Punchline and that is on all the places that you can get the Center Cut podcast. All those places, you know, it, it's there. And uh, yeah, that's what, what I would, I do a lot of things, but that is something, like I said, that's my life's and it work. Is, it is great. That's how I know about Chris in the first place, which has led me to all these other wonderful things that he's done. So be like me. <laughs> oh, and if people are listening to this on release day of our, our episode, there's still time to buy their tickets to your 25th anniversary punchline show in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, that's July 8th, 2022, and it is on the exact day we started our band wow, 25 that's years awesome. ago. 
pretty exciting. And obviously, it's been a pandemic and we haven't got to play many shows over the past two years. So just to play a show in general is great, let alone a 25-year anniversary career-spanning set. I look forward to seeing friends and family and play it in our hometown of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Love it. It's awesome. Oh, boy. Another great episode with Mr. Chris Fafalius. Uh, Chris is so great. I like Chris a lot. He is a good guy. You were right. Yep. Now, David, only way to close this movie out, Center Counts. Hail Center Counts. Hail Center Counts. I feel bad for this. Center Counts. I feel bad for this because Chris likes it so much. I think I'm going to give it a two out of seven because I just don't like it. I don't want to watch something that makes me physically and mentally feel bad. And this just makes me feel bad. I don't like death. I don't like to think about my death or my family's death or anyone's death for that matter, unless it's Michael's. So that's that's for the dick sucking joke earlier. <laughs> so I like I just I have a hard time watching this kind of stuff. And it was just like, yeah, yeah, it was creepy and scary. Like, I'm with you. Yes. As far as horror movies go, and if it was as someone who likes horror movies, I would probably give this a, a really high score. It's just not my bag, baby. I learned my lesson with Midsommar. If you think the ends are wild, wait until you see the middle. So despite my normal disdain for horror movies, I will be partaking in the middle. I'm giving this a five out of seven. Ari Aster has earned a long rope with me at this point now. I am only docking points from a seven because A, horror still isn't my thing. So it is not a movie I would normally like. B, Tony Collette is a very nice lady, very good actress, but she's just not as fuckable as Florence Pugh. From Midsommar, mm-hmm. let's be real. Agreed. And I also don't love the number of weird old man peckers we had to see. Lots of them. You live. Lots. You live. You live. You learn what your penis will look like in 50 years. In the end, I took the amount of times I thought I pooped my pants from jump scares, which was two and a half. I multiplied it by two to get my score. So here we are. Naturally, it that's is a just five out of seven. Normal scoring procedure for a horror movie. Yep. The number of times you've almost poop your pants times two times two for me it was only one and it was the time i saw that giant penis on that uh, naked blonde man all right david the movie is over but what do we have coming up next all right so our next main episode is going to be coming out june 22nd and we are going to be covering the season one of outer range new one on amazon prime amazon prime it's gonna be interesting sure is i think there's kind of an alien-y twist an alien-y twist yeah what's before that though but before that we are going to be doing a center chat where we're going to answer if we would rather live in a treehouse nor is part of a nudist colony yeah, because there was a treehouse in this movie and a nudist colony in this movie. There so. was a lot of naked old people and also a treehouse. That's how we make our center chats. <laughs> what happened the most? The treehouse and uh, penises. Pretty accurate, in fact. Yeah. David, I know we've talked about it multiple times, but in the show notes, find some of Chris's stuff. He is a genuinely good He's dude. He's just a great dude. Go support his stuff in any way you can. Period. Until next time. Like the middle of this movie, God, I hope it's better in the center. (laughs) 